This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And right now at Zupan's through March 9th, you can get steelhead fillets. They're fresh and sustainably raised. And I have to tell you, if you're looking at uh, zupans.com right now, they look absolutely delicious with some tomatoes on them. And of course, they always, Zupan's provides recipes for a lot of what they sell. So I strongly suggest anybody go online and take a look at what else is on sale. But right now, these steelhead fillets are $4 off, $12.99 a pound. Speaking of what's on sale, you know, they've got the Chow Italia uh, going on right now at your local Zupans. This is where we celebrate all things Italian, or as my dad would say, Chris, Italian. Uh, I'm <laughs> shaking my head at that. Uh, but this is pretty great. Four ninety nine a can for these DOP San Marzano tomatoes. Uh, Chow makes a, And if you don't know what the DOP means, this means they are authentically from that region of uh, Italy that apparently gives us the world's best tomatoes. Uh, don't be fooled by the imitations. Uh, you got to get that DOP certifi- certification. Uh, they also have uh, pasta sauce on sale from Ristorante Italiano. Again, this is all going on sale through March 9th at your local Zupans markets. Yeah, one last thing. If you want to you want to be a feel Italian, but shop for local brand Nusa Familia Coffee is now uh, $3 off per 12-ounce uh, bag. 11 bucks each. I'd do that. Very nice. And we shouldn't uh, miss this opportunity, Chris, to talk about the news feed, which is a uh, regular email you get that talks about what's going on at your local Zupans and occasionally gives you something for free, which in this case, this weekend only, February 26th through the 28th, when you buy one or more, you're going to get one of the Zupans fresh pastas. And uh, you do this all the time where you, you buy the uh, Zupans fresh pasta. It's so good. I love that fresh pasta, and there's always a nice variety of uh, anything from raviolas to tagliatelle and spaghetti, all uh, all fresh, put in the refrigerator, and uh, they cook really fast, they boil fast, and delicious. So you would find those at any one of three Zupan stores. That would be on Burnside, West Burnside, also McAdam, and Lake Oswego. And where else, Court? You can find all the information you could ever hope for at zoopans.com. It is time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. Hi there, Court. Hey. It's, uh, it's, how are things at either Kink Studios or at your home studio? I am at the uh, Kink Studios today, and uh, they're they're pretty great. You know, we made it through that ice storm all right. The snow finally all melted, and um, yeah, I, I can't complain. I, didn't, I don't think I mentioned your last name for those people who have been under a rock for the last million years. Court Johnson over there. So there we go. Thanks for joining us. I asked you because I'm sitting here looking out at uh, the Pacific Ocean and it's sunny today. Yeah. Which is really nice. We had the hardest rain we have had in a long time over the weekend. Big, heavy raindrops and floods and so forth. You know what it was? It was the, it was a pineapple express, as they say. Is it was it really that? Yeah, which is apparently where the jet stream kicks up over Hawaii, which I think is the pineapple part, and right. and then just brings a lot of rain. Yeah, we actually we were driving through the gorge on uh, Monday uh, during the kind of the tail end of that that storm, um, and it was some of the hardest rain that I've ever driven through on a freeway, and and uh, it's just one of those reminders you should always slow down. And they're probably the, these storms are just going to get worse. So get slow down even more and get used to it yep. because it's going to happen. But the wonderful thing about one of the things I appreciate about Oregon after moving here from Connecticut is at this time of year, we start to see daffodils blooming. We don't see those until late March, April, maybe in Connecticut. And out here, we start to see them in January and February. So we're seeing some of those. And, um, you know, once in a while, you get a day that feels like spring. And this is going to be one of them. It's uh, close to, it's over 50 on my uh, thermometer. Nice. Not that people are tuning into this podcast to hear a weather report, especially one that if you're listening a week from now, was a week ago. But... 
at least it'll remind them that that Oregon isn't all about gloomy weather in the uh, in the winter time. Right. So this episode um, is interesting. It's a little bit different, but it still involves food, food for dogs. And um, I happen to, you know, those who listen to this podcast uh, know that I have a dog that I uh, is now over 16 years old, coming on 17, uh, Oakley, and he's been a bit of a challenge lately when it comes to eating. And I expressed that fact on Instagram one day, and lo and behold, I got back a really nice message from uh, Katie McCarran. Uh, Portland Pet Food Company offering to send some food out through the the sweetness of her heart to see if we could get Oakley to eat and for his appetite to be revved up a little bit. She was so kind and I responded to her and um, and the next day there was a nice box full of different varieties and the dog biscuits that I had recognized that we didn't the dogs had enjoyed for years up until now and um, so I thought Gee, here's an opportunity. Let's have uh, let's have Katie on the podcast and talk about how she built Portland Pet Food Company from 2014. And uh, the story is similar to Oakley's. She had a she had a standard poodle named Rosie, who was uh, not eating, and so she tried everything she could and found a little beef and rice recipe that she made herself, and then started doing a little research on what other dog foods. Um, contained and decided to, um, when, when Rosie started eating that food, decided to, um, you know, start producing it for uh, a larger market so that people like me could find a way to get their dogs to eat. And it's not only about that, it's actually delicious, wholesome, human grade dog food. So, um, it's good stuff. And Oakley's been, Oakley loves the biscuits he took to the salmon and rice the the first night we had it, and then he reverted to his fussy self the next day. But this morning we got we put a little smoked salmon with um, with the beef and rice. And as Katie talks about in this podcast, it's great as a supplement to make sure that your dog is getting um, a little more nutrition than one might get. I've only been feeding him proteins lately. So uh, anyway, it's an interesting conversation, and wow, uh, it's the company has grown quite a bit. She'll she'll tell us how many stores are now carry it nationwide, and she's starting to look at um, moving to international markets as well. Yeah, it's interesting. You you talk about Chris how uh, her story with her dog and yours with Oakley have been similar, but even down to the way the Portland Pet Food Company kind of got its start is very similar to many food makers and, and restaurants here in the Portland area where all kind of starts with a farmer's market. Right. Beaverton was the one. And, you know, you think about it, it's a little tough to do sampling, right? Yeah. But, and especially at the Portland farmers, uh, the downtown Portland farmer's market, they don't allow dogs. So you can't do that. But um, yeah, you're right. She grew it in much the same way and had to learn a lot of the regulations that go into it much the same way that, uh, you know, some of the other more famous, uh, well, I'm not going to say more than Portland Pet Food, but um, but fam- some of the, the brands that we that are known nationwide, like Dave's Killer Bread, Marshall's Hot Sauce, those all started at farmer's markets as well. So, mm-hmm. as well. And, and so I talked to Katie about how the uh, Portland part of her branding has helped not only in the Portland area, of course it would, but um, elsewhere as well. Right at the Fork is supported by Zupan's Markets. Whether you're an expert chef or a connoisseur of great cuisine, Zupan's Markets has been the number one destination for the food and wine lovers of Portland and beyond for over 40 years. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego or Zupan's.com. Ringside Steakhouse. It's time again to slice into the best steaks and service available in Portland. Seating is now available by reservation only for indoor and outdoor dining at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And check out the newly opened New England-style fish and ship spot with a Northwest personality, Rock Paper Fish, a partnership between the Peterson family and Portland icon Micah Camden in the old Boxer Ramen space on East Burnside for takeout only. 
and by Portland Food Adventures, Cabin Fever, book a fantastic culinary vacation in 2021 with podcast host Chris Angeles. Experience the best of Basque Country with Javier Canteras of Urdaneta or Western Sicily with Taste of Italy's Austri Enzyme. Whet your appetite and get more information at portlandfoodadventures.com or contact Red at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more details. I appreciate you taking the time. That was quite fortuitous and, uh, and serendipitous in a couple of ways last week when you saw my Instagram post and, uh, and reached out. And uh, no, I saw the first one and then I thought, oh, I don't want to sound like we're coming across as, you know, <laughs> sell you something. And when I saw the second one, I looked like I've got to send them some product and just see if it might help. I <laughs> so. can't, can't tell you how much I appreciate it because it's, it's so frustrating, which apparently, you know, you went through with Rosie, which is as I read your website and your story, but that's how you started pet Portland pet food years ago as you were having difficulty with your dog eating. And these are things for those of us who are dog owners, I've had a lot of dogs. I've never gone through this before because I've never had a dog get to this age. My, my childhood dog did, but I was gone to college by the time this stuff started happening. So this is the first time as an adult. And so, you know, I guess the vet helps with a little bit, you know, I had to get some suggestions from him, not so much on um, food, but just how to keep it down. So we have some Prozyme, which is just awesome product because not to start a podcast with this, but my, but Oakley wasn't keeping the food down at all. It was coming up every time, it, it, whole. So <laughs> the enzymes are great. Those help. But then you've got to get food down in the first place. And that has been a, um, a new experience for me. And I have to say there's something – it's frustrating and it's sad to watch my dog get old. And I know it must have been for you because you took more action than I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> but – there's something that's just delightful to nurture your old dog after having him in one's life for 16 years, day after day, to just get him to eat and the satisfaction of making that happen. So I'll preface this by saying you, you alluded to it before. You sent me some product last week just to, uh, out of the kindness of your heart, to see if we could get Oakley to eat. And um, I've been feeding him basically chicken and tuna, chicken from a can. I stopped with the fresh Costco rotisserie chickens because for whatever reason, the can is easier to deal with. And it generally works, but you sent me some product last week. I had quite a few people here this week and there was too much confusion. But last night when I had an opportunity to sit down with Oakley and make little balls of the salmon and rice food that you sent. Uh, it took a little bit, but once he started, he was off to the races. So I appreciate that. And I'll be getting some more of that. I don't know whether to feed that solely or to mix in with some of the other stuff, but it's great. Thank you. No, you're, you're very welcome. And, you know, I think mixing it with other things, whatever Oakley really likes to eat, <laughs> it's, it's the most important thing right now. Um, you can know that at least those meals, um, we formulated it close to the AFCO guidelines, but we did not want to supplement because I couldn't guarantee anything was um, just from the United States. Most of the supplements premixes are offshore. So right. we got it as close as we could, but um, yeah, mix it with other things that he likes, um, make it enjoyable. Variety is great. Well, I assume, so he's become a little bit autistic. So things mixed together have been difficult. It's if I keep it homogenous, but I, I'm going to try. I've got, I've got it in the works right now for break. We're going to try breakfast again after we record this. Um, but I'm, I, I assume I can have some confidence that to assuage my concern that by feeding Oakley just tuna, and just chicken chunks, you know, white meat chicken, that I was missing some nutrients that were important for him. I assume that by with your food, he, there's a little more balance in what I'm feeding him. Right, there is. And, um, you know, at this age, as we all age, uh, the most important is to get some nutrients into them. 
Right. And um, yes, this is much closer to, this is very close to be full and balanced actually. So. Good. So um, I'd like to talk uh, about your experience. First of all, have you been a dog owner your whole life? Are you a do- are you a dog person? Was Rosie where did Rosie stand in the chronology of dogs for you? Well, I did not have a dog growing up. Um, my mother had a dog. Um, I have an older brother that was actually hit by a a car, and she refused to get a dog for us <laughs> while we were growing up again. So mm-hmm. I didn't have a dog until after I got married, and my husband had a dog named Hopkins Springer Spaniel who was just wonderful. Um, and then we had, um, we had Wally, who we had the Wally's um, salmon and rice named after. Mm-hmm. And then we had, um, we got, Ro- or we had Rosie. And, and Rosie, Rosie was a sta- standard poodle. Rosie was a standard poodle. And Rosie, um, you know, when she had to be 14 and a half, just became, always had been a picky eater, but became very finicky. I would spend so much money on high-end canned dog food and she would take a bite of it and then not eat the rest of it. So we were going back and forth to the vet. She had a lacerated tongue. Um, They thought it was cancer at first, but it turned out not to be. Um, So she had a difficult time eating and I just started cooking. And I started researching on the internet and thought, you know, I can make some of these recipes and try them. We started out with the beef and rice, which is named after Rosie. So Rosie's beef and rice. And she started eating and, you know, she, this is all she ate for the next, you know, two and a half years. She lived to be 16 and a half, um, well, almost 17. And she only ate Portland pet food. And I really believe because it's all natural human grade ingredients, she was getting the nutrients that she needed. Her blood tests were excellent. And it was very difficult because she was eating right up until the last day, but she couldn't get up for a couple days and it was very clear. She just, it was time to let go. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I've been trying to celebrate the positives and, and not think about that. And that's why I also got Kodak, my other dog. Yeah. Three years ago, it was really a one year plan uh, at the time to mitigate the pain of lose. Cause I have lost dogs, but not in this way. Um, and that was, that was my plan. And, um, but it's, it's day to day. You don't know one day, one day something works to eat and the next day it doesn't. And then it's also day to day with the progress because he one day, like yesterday before and after he finally ate your food. And I didn't give it, I, when I say finally, it was, I tried it once with a lot of people here. It didn't work. Right. I'll pick it up. But when he finally ate it yesterday after sniffing for a while then he got up himself again. I'm not going to necessarily attribute it to his meal, but it's great when you have days where he doesn't get up himself and then all of a sudden you're seeing him walking around. Like that's the best. Oh, you got up yourself. I didn't lift you. So I'm fine with lifting him. I just, you know, hoisting him just to get up because once he gets up, he's moving. He's fine. He gets, walks around. But, um, well, as I say to, as to my humans, you wouldn't want to eat the same thing every day. So why would your dog? But, so. he went, but, but dogs do that for their entire lives. And it's not that the food wasn't that exciting. I mean, <laughs> it was pretty easy to scoop some kibble in a bowl every day and it'd be fine. Right. So, um, but, uh, you know, that change. I agree with you. It's, I love him enough to think that, boy, he should have gotten more variety. And now with Kodak, I give him some kibble, but I mix something else in that I'm giving to Oakley. And he got some Portland pet food this morning, as a matter of fact. I was going to say, you can mix in some of our product too for him, um, for he's not left out. We, uh, and our, our, our dog now, Winnie, who's also a standard poodle, she's five years old. Um, that's what she gets it as. She gets it as a topper. Unless we're traveling, I just throw the pouches in a suitcase in the car and just feed her that when I'm, I'm on the road just to mm-hmm. make it easy. Because it, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, it, we have to market it as a supplemental meal. Um, topper, mixer, soft treat. Um, a lot of people will put it in a Kong as a soft treat and freeze it. Um, oh, but it's very, really idea. personal. That's a great idea. And I yeah. like the, the pouches would be easier to travel with than cans. and lighter. They are, yeah. So... Um, so that's cool. So um, 
And Rosie lived another two and a half years. If I can get Oakley to live another two and a half years, and pardon me for keep bring, for bringing him up, but one, the reason this came up was Oakley, and you know he's near and dear to my heart every day. Absolutely. So, so um, but yeah, um, if I can get him two and a half more years, I didn't think we'd get to this point. As I said, Kodak three years ago almost was a one year plan, uh, or right. I thought it was going to be a one year plan. So. Um, so uh, what, is it, what is it like developing this business and now being, you know, out of the blue through, through the goodness of your love for Rosie, you now have Portland Pet Food Company, which, by the way, it's a good spot to have a dog food company. Portland is a, an extremely dog-friendly town. Portland is a very extremely uh, friendly dog, or dog food town. We... Um, Portland Pet Food was really, I had retired, I'd sold the business, and then had retired from that business um, and had time to take care of an elderly mom, which was wonderful. But my entrepreneurial spirit and taking care of Rosie was, let's create this food. It's benefiting Rosie. We need to deliver this to other folks who may need this, other dogs that are in need. So it was really out of the love for Rosie that this business got started. It was not a planned business. I did not know that pet food sales were going up around the world or anything like that. This was literally out of the love for a dog. But once she started eating and we felt as though this could benefit other dogs, we decided to work with the Oregon Food Innovation Center. And it was fresh frozen at the time when I first started. And we worked with Sarah Mosoni down at the Oregon Food Innovation Center to create these meals. And then I saw soup in a pouch. And I said, I want to do that. So um, I dragged Mark Whittem out of retirement. He had just retired from Oregon State, and he's a retort specialist. And we created these meals. And now they're shelf-stable for two years in a pouch, all fresh, no preservatives or additives added to them. And we're now in over 1,700 stores across the United States. We're shipping to Canada and Japan and um, we continue to grow through pet specialty as well as through natural grocery. And then uh, online, of course, online last year was very big for us. Um, obviously, COVID helped push that. Um, but the convenience of shipping a pouch, it's very easy as well as the treats. And we are on Amazon and we're also just launched on Chewy in December of wow, 2020. I all of a sudden I'm feeling like a panelist on Shark Tank. This is great. You're explaining all these things and I have to decide whether that's good. And I have to, <laughs> I'll give you that wide eyed look. Whoa, that's great. So well, let's, um, let's see how much money you're going to give me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you some, I don't think it's going to be enough to uh, develop a new uh, plan, but um, so how does, when you first started, um, you were probably, I'm assuming, doing taste testings. And well, how do you do taste testings with a dog, but some sort of sampling in local stores? And then let's talk about the tra trajectory a little bit. Well, we started, uh, as I mentioned, 2014. My son was just graduating from Williams College and he had a gap year before starting medical school. So he came home and helped me uh, put the company together. We handed out samples. Uh, for the first time down in Gearhart at the 4th of July parade that they have on the coast. Mm -hmm. And um, those were frozen samples. And then we started into the farmer's markets. And Beaverton Farmer's Market uh, took us. Um, we had some trouble getting to some farmer's markets because we were, we were pet food. Um, but I explained that this was all human grade. And at that time, we also created a treat line. So we worked with the local breweries. And we'd go... Um, pick up the uh, spent grains on their brewing days and repurpose them. And with the treats and the meals, Beaverton Farmers Market said, sure, come on in. And that's really where we launched. They were wonderful. They've been supported, supportive until this day. Um, and I knew nothing about a consumer goods product. I was in the service industry before. So we started driving around Portland, going to stores, knocking on doors, explaining about our product right before, um, the holidays of 2014 and everyone of course looked at us like this is not the time to launch a product it's the end of the year so we um stuck with the farmers markets and went back to the stores uh, zupins was the first natural grocery store to take us in 
And um, we just started growing from there and you know, started going to trade shows over the next few years, both for pets. There's Super Zoo down in Vegas. Uh, there's Global Pet in Florida. Those are the two largest ones. And then we also were going to shows for human food, Fancy Foods and Expo West. Um, we attended both of those and we really saw growth take off in natural grocery too. That is so... I guess, Mike, uh, I always want to know this. And you find it out on Shark Tank, how people are doing. They could say, how much did you take home last year? But so do you, did you need to go national and international to have a business that, you know, that would sustain you? Did it take that much growth? Could you have survived with, in Zupans and locally in Portland? Uh, how, did that, how did that help you? Well, we did really pull back in. It was basically myself. My son had gone off to medical school at that time. Um, my husband and my daughter still work in the business with me today. Um, you know, I had some advice and I really decided to focus on regional. So we really grew first Oregon, Washington, and then down through California. And we've really kept to that plan until we launched into Wegmans um, on the East Coast. Um, we really feel as though you know, if you have good customers, you want to serve them. And it's more important that consumers are finding out about you in those stores and there's repeat buyers. So we focused on velocity first and we continue to do that today. Um, we didn't need to expand as fast as we did to the East Coast, but we just happened to, you know, land a large account. We've done very well with Wegmans and we started um, in the Northwest with Whole Foods. Mm hmm and um, they took us nationally last year in April of 2020. That must have been exciting. So, no, this has all been very exciting. It's been very fast growth. <laughs> um, there was just a few of us in the business um, at the end of 2019. I hired my first operations manager, and I hired my first marketing manager in June of 2020. And I had – it was really grassroots. It was word of mouth about our product. We'd spent no marketing money. We had no marketing money. So um, David and I, uh, as my husband invested in this company, um, you know, we said, we'll put a little bit in, then we kept putting a little bit more in, a little bit more in. And I finally said, you know, our retirement savings is disappearing. Um, food's very expensive to get into, as you, mm -hmm. as you probably know. And um, so we did bring in some investors um, a couple of years ago. And so it, is your retirement looking a little better again? Is it, is it oh, rosier? Not, it's not, well, it's, it's not going down. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we are, we're growing rapidly. We've grown eight, you know, we grow, we grew threefold last year and we're planning to grow threefold this year. And so um, we're investing in people and systems. Oh, fantastic. So how much of the... Um, I, you know, you said it was word of mouth. So a lot of that was with distributors as well. How much does the, does the name Portland Pet Food help you? Does, it, does that have positive connotations with pet owners around the country? Do they know what's going on uh, yeah, outside we, of COVID and, and everything that happened this summer? Yes. When we've been at trade shows, um, people are very familiar with Portland, very foodie scene. And so yeah. I think that that is definitely... Uh, assisted us. Um, and so people do recognize that there's a strong food community here. And um, while I'm doing pet food, I'm part of the um, Specialty Foods Association. I've been involved with local groups, uh, such as a food and beverage group here in Portland. And they've been so supportive, because uh, it basically is the same. I mean, I, I am using all human grade ingredients. So I have the same issues um, of finding suppliers, um, expanding with commercial kitchen space, et cetera. And where do you, where's the kitchen now? How big a space do you have now to handle your volume? We have a very small space over in Southeast Portland. Um, mm -hmm. It's about 2000 square feet mm -hmm. and no one can believe how we are producing all of these biscuits out of this kitchen, but we are, we just expanded and took on some wholesale, um, packaging space just across the street, but I'm also going to be moving into a larger space, hopefully by July, August of this year. I'm just actually meeting after today's 
um, podcast with you um, to finalize the lease. Oh, fantastic. I hope that goes well. So I, let's take, I'm, I'm going to ask to take a little break here because Oakley needs to be lifted up to get some water. Absolutely. So, uh, so we'll take this opportunity to pause for a second and hear from our friends at Ringside Steakhouse. Hey, Chris, let's pause a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to dine in Portland, Ringside Steakhouse. Yes, and over the past year, of course, things have been a little different at Ringside as it has at other restaurants. So they have uh, at times offered uh, a lot of takeouts and kit kits and uh, for a while outdoor dining and then indoor dining. So let's get this straight going forward. Starting this Friday night, uh, dine-in service will begin. Begin, and uh, starting this Friday night, uh, dine-in service will begin, and you can certainly make reservations uh, on their website at ringsidesteakhouse.com. In the meantime, they'll also have a prime New York strip meal kit that you can pre-order now for pickup starting Saturday, the twenty seventh. And uh, they'll begin offering to-go service again next Wednesday, March 3rd. So you can order to take out. And then you can look forward, you know, stay tuned to Ringside, following them on Ringside Steak at Instagram. And you'll hear when they're opening for outside dining again as well. I got to be honest with you, as we have, uh, you know, been talking about the various incarnations of what restaurants can and cannot do. Uh, when I heard the news of uh, Ringside Steakhouse, opening up for dine-in service, I, I shed a few tears, Chris. I, I was so excited to return because in, in many instances, in fact, a year ago at this time, the last meal I had out with my wife, Randy, was at Ringside Steakhouse. And I, and I believe before we went into that second shutdown in, what, November? Again, right. the, the last meal I had was with my wife, Randy, at Ringside Steakhouse. So uh, m- maybe the first meal I need to have coming back out will be right there at Ringside Steakhouse. That's always a good idea. And I've been able to sneak in a couple when they had indoor dining for a little while. Yeah. Uh, sneak in a couple of uh, wonderful experiences. So um, it's a great idea and a good place to get back to where service is king uh, at ringside. And that's what I miss most. So if anybody is um, is having a Jones for someone, just wait on them hand and foot and do it in a wonderful fashion. That's ringside. I think we all need a little bit of that in our life. As Chris mentioned, you can uh, set up your reservations at ringsidesteakhouse.com, or if you have the Open Table app, you can do it right there as well. So, what's been the most what's been the most frustrating part of this whole process? Because there are a lot of moving parts to get this going. There are a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, I think probably the most frustrating part is that we are all human grade and we produce our meals in a human grade facility. We have to get registered in every state. Um, AFCO is the organization that oversees the pet food labeling for the United States, Um, but it's not an official certificate or anything. And each state interprets the regulations for labeling differently. So you can run into a lot of, you know, headaches and, you know, just being slowed down, getting registered, but, but we've worked through that. We've gathered all of our materials um, to show that our ingredients are all human grade where we produce. You know, we've gone through um, inspections by APHIS, which is the agency, uh, the government agency that you need to be inspected for to export. Um, it's a very thorough investigation. Um, You have to be able to trace back. They'll grab three or four products just off the shelf and ask you to trace it all the way back um, to the raw ingredients. And so Mm -hmm. we've done excellent with all of those types of inspections. Um, Some of the states don't want you to state that it's human grade because if they are concerned that humans will eat it, uh, there would be no harm for humans eating it. But um, when they have all these regulations and you follow all of them, and then they say that you can't, label it with human grade on it. it. It's very frustrating. Well, did I, and I think I saw a disclaimer that said not for human consumption. Is that, is that a legal thing? That, I mean, if I ate it, I don't think I'd drop dead. No, <laughs> um, those are, those, those are legal um, regulations we have to follow for labeling. Yes. 
And that's sad because, as you said, you went through all the trouble to use human-grade ingredients, and then to have to say that, it, it moves the needle back a little bit in people's minds. Correct. And then there's Correct. so much marketing within the pet food industry that's not straightforward. Um, you know, la labeling is a real issue. Uh, people don't understand. Um, you know, when you look at the ingredient list, uh, you should always be looking for a, a meat as the primary ingredient and not a meat meal. A meat meal could be anything and everything. Um, most dog food is made from rendered ingredients. So the, that's a, you know, usually a diseased animal, an older animal. It's been set to the rendering plant, but it can also include all types of other animals too. And so you don't want to buy anything that says meat meal on it. Um, if it says chicken meal or beef, you know, beef meal, you at least know that it all came from one animal. But if it just mm -hmm. says meat meal, it could be anything. And those ingredients, they're cooked at such a high level because they have to destroy the bacteria from either, you know, the diseased animals that are in there. And so they lose all the nutrient value. And then you have to put in all back the nutrients in, and those are usually synthetic. And we just believe that you should be able to feed your dog whole foods. And that's what we're doing. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, I'm wincing a little bit thinking that I didn't pay enough attention. Well, I to, didn't pay uh, enough attention either. <laughs> yeah. into this industry. Well, and I, you know, there's part of me that feels terrible about that. And then the other part said, well, he's made it to 16 and a, and a half. So, but, um, but so what you're talking about is probably the reason for all those recalls we've heard about majority, over the past few years. A majority of the recalls are from the premixes, so the synthetic vitamins that are going back into the mixtures coming from the rendering plant to bring up the nutrient levels. And most commercial dog food has levels much higher than what's required by AFCO. Um, and I didn't want to add a premix, as I mentioned before, basically because I couldn't guarantee it was coming from the United States. And mm -hmm. secondly, as a small manufacturer, when you have the Mars of the world creating pet food, I wasn't going to trust that my you know, plant could mix the appropriate amounts into the um, mixer and mm -hmm. have it appropriate for the dogs too. So I just decided to keep it simple and straightforward. So on a uh, per serving basis, you, do, you don't sell on price, right? You're selling on quality. So your target market, who do you have uh, identified as your market? Well, our target market are folks who either have a picky eater or an elderly dog, um, have tried different ways to feed their dog and haven't been successful. Um, it's also great for dogs recovering from surgery or have dental issues. So it, it's a really soft, soft meal. And it's very, very palatable is the main thing. It doesn't mm -hmm. smell like dog food because mm -hmm. it's not, it's, it's human food for dogs. So it's, it smells good. Um, it's palatable for the dogs as well as for the owners who are dishing it out. It's, we've also um, seen this as a product that uh, millennials are very much attracted to because uh, they see that we're trying to do right things sustainability wise. Uh, we're mm -hmm. part of the Pet Food Sustainability Coalition. Uh, due to our, our packaging, we also repurpose spent grains in our treats with the local breweries. Um, I work with uh, Carlton Farms, so we use their nitrate-free bacon, but you know they have the nice slices that are in the stores, but then we use the, the smaller bits and pieces uh, mm -hmm. to put into our dog treats as well as into um, we use in our pork that we use for the, the meals. So we're trying to, we're really trying to work on sustainability um, and create recycling. Um, we've offered TerraCycle. You can send in the pouches if you'd like to be recycled and we, we cover the cost for that. Um, so we're very much involved in the Pet Sustainability Coalition efforts to improve the recyclability of pet food packaging. Oh, that's good. It's, it's nice packaging too. So, um... You know, and were you, did you have to, did you do that yourself or did you hire a marketing firm? No, uh, I did that myself. Firm? Very nice. Um, I did hire a local gentleman to help design our logo and our, mm -hmm. and our package, the actual design for it. I, I couldn't do that. Um, and nor would I mislead you that I could think I could do that. But um, 
Mark Timby has been wonderful. And um, we've stayed with Mark Timby to this day in our design. Oh, that's great. So I, I wanted to say before I forgot, just to give just to give credit where credit is due, for a long time, my girlfriend was bringing your treats before, you know, over the last couple of years, and the dogs love them. And I didn't notice the difference because the dogs would eat almost any treat you gave them. Now that Oakley's fussy, he's not eating anything out of my hand. Uh, that's not happening. But we just got some of yours actually, what, this weekend, Saturday. And um, he's been eating out of our hands, the, the treats. So that's- Oh, that's great to hear. That, that's a pleasant surprise that we have some, you know, because you want that gratification of seeing a dog being happy all of a sudden when they're sniffing and walking away. That's not a, that's not a pleasant thing, so. No, not at all. Let me ask, uh, what flavor did you get? Bye. Uh, the, you sent some. Okay, so the ones that I sent. Okay, great. Yeah, so, so was, I believe there was pumpkin. There's pumpkin, and then we have the, um, those are the grain-free pumpkin, I think, that went in the package to you. And then we have the grain-free bacon, which is the one with the Carlton Farms bacon. Right. And then we have a gingerbread. That's what I opened this morning. And, okay. uh, and we, we were really bummed out that we were out of it this weekend. And then I went and opened your box this morning to get another flavor of the dog food out. And I saw on the bottom was the, was more, were more treats. So we have that. So I, I can't say enough uh, how much I appreciate your caring enough to do it. Right. So. To oh, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, I think that the, uh, you asked me the target audience. I mean, it's, it's really um, people looking for a pure and natural product for their dogs. And they've, they've seen the benefits of feeding their dog all natural foods. I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, recalls have gone up on, on dog foods as well as, you know, cancer rates are up, et cetera. And, you know, I just tell people, you know, look at the label, see if it's, you know, 50 ingredients listed or it's just three to five, like ours are, um, mm -hmm. you know, half, I can't pronounce half of the things that are on dog food labels. I don't know what they are. Right. So there's no reason I want to feed that to my dog. Right. Well, I'll, well, so, you know, I'm always a calculating person and I don't have a ton of income. So I've been aware, I've gone to the dog food, the Petco before and looked at, you know, $4 cans of dog food and done the math on that. And it's just compared to what I had done. And I embarrassingly, I'm not going to talk about exactly what I've been feeding, but it's not terrible. It sustained a dog for 16 and a half years. But let me just say this. So when you contacted me and then I thought, okay, well, that's going to be a different level of cost. And then I realized, oh, well, it's Oakley and it's the end of his life. I don't have to calculate this out 12 years like I normally do, would do, right, for that and grooming and all that stuff. I just want to give him something he enjoys. So it's good to see that he's, he's enjoyed it. And I'll certainly be, I assume you're still available at Zupan's. Oh, definitely. Zupin's has been wonderful. And uh, we've done, we do demos there when we can, but obviously not during COVID. Right. Um, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, it's very reasonable. A pouch will stay good in the refrigerator, for, you know, four to five days, really probably five to six days. I mean, it, it's all cooked. And I have a 55 pound standard poodle. She does not eat Portland pet food solely. Um, because I couldn't afford that. So I put a dollop on her kibble at night and even replacing, um, you know, 20% of uh, a kibble, you're going to add whole food nutrition and, and, and nutrients to their, to their diet. So it can be affordable um, for, for everyone um, to use like just as a topper. And, and it, you know, it gives you, you know, it gives us all peace of mind. That's why the, the pet food, uh, industry has grown so rapidly is because people will do anything for their pets, much like they would for their kids. So I like the idea. You just made me feel better. Although if that's all, if Oakley will eat that solely, I'll be happy. And again, it hit me the other day. I don't need to calculate this out forever. I just need to, I just want him to eat and whatever it costs, I'm happy to do that. And this dog, 16 and a half years, the vet bills have been so minimal, right? And I've been paying pet insurance since he's been like five, since we had an incident. $9,000, I haven't made a claim yet. And I'm at this point 
where I'm sorry, I'm doing a little ranting, but I'm at this point where do I, it's now $91 a month for his pet insurance. Do I draw? I mean, I mean, it's kind of insane. I don't know what kind of claim I'll be making from here on in, but I've carried it for this long. So I'm back and forth. So anyway, the food end of it for me is a big, it's, it's kind of a medical issue right now, right? Just to Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, the number one thing we need is nutrition to keep living and water, right. you know, right. so that's the and most I, important thing at this point. And you don't, I, you had it with Rosie. I'm having with Oakley. It's never anything that crosses your mind, right? Dogs will eat anything generally, right? Most dogs, Rosie wouldn't. But Oakley, all his life, I mean, you know, he actually stayed away from the bad stuff on the beach. He was good about that. He's been good about that. But in terms of, you know, what you give him scraps at the house, which I didn't do until he was 10 or 11, they'll eat anything. So you're never concerned with nutrition, not nutrition, but sustenance. And then all of a sudden, when you're like, this guy's losing a lot of weight, I have to keep him going. So it's good. I'll stop going on about him. It's, uh, I knew coming into this episode, this interview, I told myself, just shut up. I'll, you can talk about Oakley a little bit, but everybody doesn't want to hear about Oakley. So um, No, everyone wants to hear about Oakley <laughs> and Kodak. He's got like 11,000. Everyone 11, loves, loves to hear about dogs. Pardon me? Everyone loves to hear about dogs. Well, yeah, but he's got, so my Instagram, which is supposed, started out being about food, became about dogs and the coast and food. So it's about 33% each. So, uh, but there are a lot of, people comment more on my dog stuff than on my food, food posts. So uh, now I'll start with a little, um, with a little dog food post. I'll, now I just need to get Oakley, in Italy, eating the dog food, right? Give him some Italian food on, on the uh, in Sicily, and then I'll be covering all three. So there you go. So do you um, do you pre-COVID? What kind of things did you like to do outside of the pet food business? What 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 kind of life did you lead? Did you travel a lot? Are you a big reader? Um. Unfortunately, I'm going to say with a startup emerging business, my life has been Portland pet food and, and my family will say that uh, it's I'm very fortunate that they're all involved. Um, but yeah, we, we love to travel. Um, we haven't traveled as much um, due to starting this business. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the goal is to actually maybe get in an RV and tour the United States. We've been fortunate to travel the world um, and that we could do with our dog, Winnie. And right. we could also combine a little work with it. Um, so that's a goal for 2022. Um, but so much time has been put into, into this business. And it needed to be, as, as anyone starting a business knows. Um, but um, I walk Winnie. I, I love to go for walks. Um, I played soccer since I was in my 20s. And um, I've retired. And most of my group is starting to retire. But we get together and and meet up. We try to meet up once a month. It's a great group of women and supportive women. Um, fortunate to play soccer in the soccer city all these years. Um, and I love to read. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Are you from here? I am. I grew up in Northeast Portland. That's well, that's, that's appropriate. So um, yeah, I always thought I would leave Portland. Um, but then I had a chance to travel uh, for work in my early twenties. And I began to really appreciate our city and, been very fortunate to stay here. I think that's great. So what drew me here, speaking of your RV trip around the country, was I was able to take two trips back in 02 and 03 with my sons around the country uh, over the summers. And I was drawn to first the Oregon coast and Portland, and I was had to figure out my way. So um, yeah, you were you loved it enough to stay. I loved it enough to come. So. Yes. No, it's a great spot. I mean, we had a home on the coast. Um, for over 20 years, uh, we just sold it last year, last last March, May. Very difficult to give it up, but it was time. I, I would assume as a dog lover, that's a very tough thing to give up a home on the coast. Very tough. So we sometimes now do day trips for Winnie and I can walk on the beach. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the key. And I've always felt it's my antidepressant. I knew when I, when I could move out here and walk my dog, that's what keeps me 
That's what keeps me happy, no matter what. And there's always access to Portland. Where are you from originally? I came from Connecticut. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah, and I had no designs on moving out here, but I have a really interesting story about this subliminal um, urge to move to the Pacific Northwest that was in the back of my mind, but not on my refrigerator. Um, but when I saw it, I just, I kind of knew that I'd fall in love with it. And uh, I haven't looked back. And I've also become, you know, I've always had dogs, but I believe out here is the place to to have a dog. No, it is. It's a wonderful place because there's so many places to go explore in the outdoors with dogs here. Yeah. And we're we're, and we're and really spoiled. And the beach. I don't know if you've had a chance to peruse my Instagram at all, but I, I got I a have lot a little of jumping bit. dogs out there. So happy, healthy jumping dogs on the beach. Um, oh, no. I was watching and I saw the post come through about the dog and I so really caught my eye. So, but well, yeah. And then I started looking at all the other photos on Instagram. Oh, this is really wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been a nice thing and we try to keep diverse and, um, and, and focus too. It's hard to focus um, on the coast, right? <laughs> There's so many distractions <laughs> and the sun's out right now after a pretty rainy, the rainiest weekend we've had in a while. So, um, so you plan on traveling in 2022. You're going to triple your growth in the next year. And then what are you, do you think you'll ever sell the, you, at some point you want to relax, right? Are you going to sell the company? Is that the plan? Um, the plan probably would be to find a good strategic partner. Um, it would be great to be able to cut back some hours here in the next couple of years uh, that I'm putting into this because it is seven days a week and I'm not 30. Um, but I want the company to grow responsibly and I want to find that right strategic partner um, who really believes in feeding dogs an all natural diet. So that's, that's the main goal. Um, right now we're focusing on just growing our team internally and continuing to support the customers that we have grow velocity. Um, and then we'll just see where it, where it goes from there. Good. Well, not, not to put you on the spot, but, do you have any anecdotes of happy customers that have sent you, um, you know, great positive stories about your dog food and their dogs? Yeah, we have, we have so many wonderful testimonials. Um, I put some of them up on the website, but we were just talking about that. Um, it's so wonderful to hear from people who have struggled so much to feed their dog and they write in just to thank us, um, which is what I experienced with Rosie. And that's what keeps me going. It's, it's really what this business is all about. And um, those stories are just wonderful to hear because nutrition is so important for your health. And you hate to see a dog suffering and losing weight if there might be a possibility for them to have something that they find palatable and want to eat. Well, um yeah, we, we just love them so much. So I, I appreciate the fact that you tuned in to what I was doing. I don't know how you found me. I have no idea, but I guess I've been on Instagram long enough. But I, I personally had been following you from, I, I don't know when I started or why, why, why but I, I have been. So I was personally following you. And then I was like, why are we following them from Portland Cat Foods? And I, so I went and started following you from there too. Oh, I didn't really, yeah, I went to look at that and that was recent. So now I, now I get it. But I, but I bring that up not to promote my thing, but because I really sincerely appreciate your contacting me because I was having a hard time that day. And when you contacted me and said, I might have a solution for you. And you didn't even word it that way. You worded it in a very kind way, but let's try something to help Oakley out. And you did. So I sincerely appreciate it. I'm so glad to know I can pick this up at Zupans now because that's, that's the place I go in Portland. Let me just ask because some others might be listening. Is it available on the coast anywhere? It is. It's available right there in Manzanita. Um, Fresh Foods or, or, the, or Little Apple? What was the first one that you said? Manzanita Fresh Foods. Yes, yes. It's there and there isn't, there's four paws on the beach. There is four paws on the beach. Yes. Absolutely. So, so. testing my memory of stores and locations right. on the coast. But yes, so both are available there. Are, 
I think both the meals and the treats are available at both stores. That's good to know. So I have no excuse now. Plus, I, I know you. So uh, I'm looking forward to the Kickstarter pre-purchase of the new products where I can get in early on those. No, absolutely. Um, and I have to ask, um, let me know what type of uh, flavors that he liked. It's obviously like the salmon this morning, um, but just let me know. Okay, I will. In fact, the one thing, you know, he's like tuna. We gave him some fresh, great, incredible salmon the other night, and there was no hesitation on that. So I know salmon works for him. So I'll let you know. But, um, but you sent me a few varieties, and I'll give them all their... Uh, I'll give them all an opportunity, him an opportunity at all of them, and I'll let you know. And I really, Perfect. and it's fun getting to know you. And I really love the fact that you wrote me, and it was serendipitous for two reasons. One, because of, obviously because of Oakley, but I've had a little bit of a challenge. You know, we, this is the eighth year of this podcast, and the last year has been a little challenging to find interesting new stories. We we don't need to hear about restaurants struggling and what their challenges are any longer. So it's been a little bit challenging for me. And it wasn't until the last month where I'm getting down to the, the week and thinking, well, I, you know, I'll ask a few people. And then of course, power was out last week. So court and I just did just talked. And uh, so I am, I, maybe we can open up a whole pet, side of the podcast because it's a it's certainly an interest of mine so it's nice to finally combine love of dogs and love of food together in one and uh, and to hear about your passion for it and how you started it i don't think i would have if i hadn't read your story and how you started this i don't necessarily know how, as it would have struck me to say oh let's have her on the podcast to, to, to talk about this well we very much appreciate um having spoken with you today and letting others know about these products. Um, the main goal was to see if we could get some food that Oakley would eat. And I, I certainly hope it helps over the next few months, year, who, who, who knows how long. Well, my goal, so he was, he was the 16 and a half on January 20th. So my goal was to get to July 20th. It's so sad to think about that, but I really have come to grips with all of this, I, as much as I possibly can with Kodak around. But um, I think uh, if I can get him to eat, he's going to be around for a while. It's that rear leg strength that's important. And now that he's gotten up a lot over the weekend a few times on his own, it's a little more promising. He can get some strength back if he, if he eats a little more. You know, I'm cognizant of my mom's de demise was when her – her weight went down and her strength in her legs went. So, right. and she wasn't eating. So same thing, humans and dogs, and you've combined the two. So well, also, you, if you're coming out here, let me know. We can take a walk on the beach. No, absolutely. That would be fun. Hopefully, I'm, I'm not a mask person on the beach, but I, I, I see a lot of people now with masks on the beach. And I feel like, well, better, better safer than sorrier, but... I don't think there's much risk in the open air uh, with other people in masks. No, I agree with you, but I'm very conscious and I have mine with me when I'm on the beach. But um, as long as we're, you know, six, 12, 20 feet apart, I think, right. it, I think it's fine. So, and hopefully with the vaccine out, um, we'll all be able to get outdoors more by the end of 2021. I think so. Well, people have been coming out here in droves because they can go nowhere else. So oh, I know the coast has seen a lot of a big uptick in tourism. So yes, uh, and, a, and a lot of dogs. And the interesting thing about that, speaking of dogs, is there are a lot of people who don't get the Manzanita vibe. Right. And so their dogs are on leashes out here and unleashed dogs and leash dogs don't mix very well. So um, correct. I've had some a, a couple of slight run ins with people and. <laughs> don't like to have those. I feel like this is, this is, you know, this whole area has a certain dog vibe and don't bring your, your city vibe down to the coast. Anyway, I'm sure I'll get some flack for that, but I'll take flack for that. There are certain things I got to be careful of nowadays. That's one thing I, I'm not going to be politically correct about is dogs. <laughs> at the beach. All right, Katie, I appreciate it so much. Thanks. And, um, We'll be in touch. No, thank you. Give Oakley and Kodak big hugs from, from
from me and um, tell Oakley thinking about them. All right. Well, there's certainly no shortage of hugs, and some of them will have your name on them and your your thoughts with them. So thanks very much. All right. Great. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right